Welcome to Teaching Brute. Continuing on our series of Responsive Classroom, we're going to talk about misbehavior. Yes, in particular, the way Responsive Classroom words this is logical consequences. Yes. Now, you may have heard that term a lot in the past, uh, but they have a... Mary Poppins did it. She did. Let the punishment fit the crime. Uh, Which is, again, that's essentially what it's like. But it's also, we don't try not to use the word punishment anymore. Punishment is kind of a... mm, Yes. No. Um, So the the goals of responding to misbehavior are simply to stop it, stop the rule-breaking behavior, to maintain a safe and orderly classroom, to help students recognize and fix their mistakes, to help help them develop internal control. Sometimes that one is more of a challenge. And to preserve the dignity of the child and the group. You also are helping them understand how to behave in school. Yeah. And you're helping them do better both academically and socially. Yes. Um, There are three main characteristics of logical consequences. Uh, They should be respectful, related, and realistic. Now, realistic not, not just for the children, but also for the adults. Um, the related is one of the big things that... Uh, the related is one of the big things that you hear about a lot, um, which is the idea that the punishment, let, 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 the, let the punishment fit the crime, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and the idea of respectfulness, we can get into that a lot more, but it's the idea of before you talk through a consequence, make sure you're calm as well as the child. Yes, and sometimes um, that's hard. Yes, that is. And sometimes you need a break before you can talk about it. And that's okay, by the way. Give Absolutely. yourself permission to do that. And you know what? I have to say, I have done that. Yes. I was on a field trip in jolly old England, in London, no less. Mm. Two of my students wandered off. Ooh. I didn't know where they were. Hmm. I'm in the middle of London, and I don't know where two of my students are. You can imagine my panic. And then when I got a phone call from another teacher saying that they had wandered off with two of her kids and they were safe with her, you know, I was livid. Yes. And when I got back to the hotel and they kind of were looking at me, I'm like, you're going to go into your room because if I start talking to you now, I'm going to say things that are not appropriate. Yes. I'm going to go and take 10 minutes to calm down and then I'm coming to talk to you. Yes. So... Make sure your tone of voice is one of love and respect. Because if you do that, chances are they will too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ch- but they, uh, you might need to give them time just to cool off before that happens. Absolutely. Um, so right off the bat, let's establish the difference between a punishment and a logical consequence. Um, well, one of the terms that I kept seeing in my book was positive discipline. Yes. Um, the, the underlying belief behind logical consequences is that you want children to do better and be better with reflection and practice. Um, a punishment is based built around fear. Mm-hmm. So that underlying belief of positivity, practice, reflection is core to the idea of logical consequences. Um, the intention of a punishment is compliance through external controls of feeling ashamed or feeling bad for something. Logical consequences. The whole, the intention of that is that students have that their actions are affected by developing internal controls. Yes, and you know what? As a teacher, you need to be patient with these because self discipline, self control, it's totally teachable. It's totally learnable, but it takes time. It does. This is not something that a child is going to learn in a week. No, and especially if it's. If the, if, the, if the behavior changes, because the logical consequence should match 
the behavior. Mm-hmm. And it should match the situation. So it depends on what it is from that perspective. Um, but it also this reflection piece of having them letting, helping them figure out what to do next time is a huge part of it. Yes. So something um, about this is to try to nip things in the bud before they happen. But you know what? Sometimes you don't see it coming or you can't get there quick enough or something like that. And when you're talking to the student, you need to tell the students that behavior mistakes happen. You've done them. They've done them. You've even done them as an adult. Yes. Um, They happen. And you need to tell them that everyone can learn to choose positive behaviors. Yes. You also emphasize that when you're delivering this message to them, that you emphasize that the, the message to them is that is about the damage done mm-hmm. and that being the problem and not the child being the problem. Absolutely. And also let them know that, you know, everyone needs help getting back on task after they've made a mistake. Yeah. Like teachers included. Yeah. So it's one of those things when you make a mistake and you're feeling really embarrassed about it, you know, sometimes you need somebody else to come along and give you a pat on the back and, hey, it's all right, you can get out of this and off you go. And that's a really, and that's an important thing to, now, don't get me wrong, we're not de-emphasizing, we're not de-emphasizing resilience on this. We aren't. And I know that kind of comes across that way. We're not patting the kids in the back and saying, oh, you've done wrong, but it's okay, off you go. Yeah. There is a consequence. And sometimes those consequences have to be named. Yeah, absolutely. But you also need to say that it is a part of the learning. Yeah. Typically, if I am going to talk to a child about a logical consequence, I do it in private. Um, whether that's a small group of them, if a few small group of them did something uh, that was similar, or just a one-on-one. My big thing, though, is that I don't do it like up at my desk with the other kids in the room. Mm. Because the table closest to your desk will always, always know. And they will listen to every word you're saying, and they will stare at you. So I do a outside-the-classroom conversation. Now, the thing to remember is I also do outside-the-classroom conversations for any private conversation. So the kids know that if they're being taken outside the classroom, it's not for a punitive or logical consequence reason. Sometimes it's a matter of going, you look really tired today. Are you doing okay? Or it's a matter of going, hey, how are things going? I noticed you had a rough day yesterday. How are you feeling about things today? Or, you know, I noticed you were having a hard time during recess time. Would you like to talk about it? And so, as a specialist teacher, that kind of can I tend to meet most of my classes at the door. Yeah. So as kids are coming in, sometimes I'll pull one of them out of line just to check in with them and say like, "Hey, you know, last class was a bit of a rough class. How are you doing today?" Like, and you know, we kind of can build from there without everybody else listening in. Yeah. Now, I mean, we've you're. Getting into logical consequences, which we will continue with, but back up a few steps first. Sure. You've got kids in your class Mm -hmm. that you can see in their face, in their eyes, when they're about to do something that doesn't follow the rules. Oftentimes. If you can catch it before, then a simple reminder of the classroom rules and even specific behaviors you expect might be enough to deter it. Like, you might go, hey, guys, as a reminder, um, our rulers are meant to be used for measuring and creating straight lines. You'll notice that when I said that, I did not say the rulers are not meant to be used as as swords. 
Or lightsabers. Or lightsabers. You notice how I, the, the positive, it was a positively framed what they're supposed to do with it. Yeah. You can also just be a little bit closer to the student that may be having some difficulty. So if you've got a couple students that are starting to focus more on each other and less on you, sometimes just walking over to them without even interrupting your lesson yeah. and just standing beside them as you continue to give instructions is enough. For example, uh, for me, when I do a read aloud, uh, the kids actually prefer to be in their seats and I wander around uh, around the room as I'm reading. If I see a child off task, I will gently just put my one of my hands that I'm not reading with on their shoulder mm-hmm. uh, for just a second or two, and they will typically go right back to listening. Yep. Um, it's also, you might be able to give them a visual cue. If there's a reason why you can't get over to where they are, sometimes yep. just making eye contact and giving a bit of a visual cue in terms of pointing at your eyes, tugging on your ear, um, putting a finger to the lips. You know, those are all things. Assuming you've done some interactive modeling first. Yes. That's, that's all stuff that could actually get them to be, oh, right. I rem- need to I'm, remember to do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All those little things... Yeah. Make a big difference. Now, getting into the actual logical consequences. There's effectively a few different categories of logical consequences. The first one we refer to as break it, fix it, otherwise known as reparation-based logical consequences. Um, For example, a child spilling their milk by accident. Mm -hmm. Logical consequence, you might simply say, I'll help you find a sponge to clean it up. Um, If they knock over a display, get them to recreate that display. Or, for example, a child tries numerous times to solve his math problem um, and, overcome with frustration, they push something off his desk to the floor. That would be a break-it-fix-it situation. You might get that child to, say, pick it back up at first, and then you might have the logical consequence build again. If that's a regular repeated behavior, then you might go, mm-hmm. okay, well, if, uh, as I can see... That we need to remember that we need to make sure our floor is kept tidy and that we use our material as well. So maybe the next time that you do it, maybe you'll have to clean up the whole table's materials rather than just yours. Um, make sure that when you're doing this, you're giving the student the message that they are capable of correcting their mistakes. Yes. If you've got two kids who are arguing over a piece of paper and it rips, they can tape that paper back together. Easy. Now, by the way, uh, the reparation one might also be verbal. For example, if you get a child who enjoys being a bit of a a braggart or I won, I won, I won, Mm. you may reword them and go, hey, maybe you want to rewind that conversation. And you might even say, I'm glad you've done this well. But maybe you want to rewind that and say that in in a way that is encouraging rather than, you know, boasting. Right. Um, there's also the loss of privileges. Yeah. Uh, the loss of privileges is one that... Now, you're the one to determine what things kind of come and go in your room. And privileges are given not for students who do the expectation, by the way. Let's clarify that right away. For example, you wouldn't necessarily give a reward for students who finished the work they were supposed to finish. Because mm. that is what the expectation is. Uh, privileges are opportunities... For students to learn to be reliable, to take responsibility for following rules when they're acting autonomously. Um, so you're in charge. You decide what privileges to give or remove. Um, 
and you, and you need to keep an eye on what children are having are, are you know a strong, a hard time uh, remembering what to do. Uh, for example, a child cheating when playing a game. Um, you might name that behavior. Name the behavior exactly the way it is. For example, uh, I might go, "Hey, John, I noticed that you're making the game less fun for others when you cheat." And maybe it's maybe you should try that another time. Maybe you should try that move another time in a way that shows that you can respect everyone playing the game. Yeah. And you may also kind of look at them and go, how would you feel if someone else was doing that behavior to help them think it through? You know, you, so it kind of, they're encouraged to see it from the other side, but also seeing the positive behavior. But students are also encouraged to stop a game if there is cheating. Then, and when you're stressing the deed and not the doer, yeah. then you're able to fix the behavior and you're not reflecting on that child's character. You're giving them some respect. So if you've got, you know, we all have that kid that doesn't wait for the end of the instructions and just jumps right in. Oh, yeah. So in things, so you could say, back in the day, I would probably be one of these people. David, you forgot again that you were supposed to wait for instructions, even though I've told you again and again. Stop being goofy. Listen. Now, in that scenario, I'm focusing on his character. Yeah, you've told him, stop being goofy. Exactly. Um, But if I started focusing on the behavior, then I'm giving him some dignity back. David, wait. I need to finish explaining first. Yeah. Simple. Simple. Easy. And Uh, way less frustrating. Or, for example, if you have a student in group work and you notice they're not, they're either acting rudely or not participating, you might look look at them and go, it looks like you're not ready to be in a group right now, so maybe you need to work individually. So can you please go to a place where you can work individually, and I'll check back in with you later. Yes. And the thing with the loss of privilege is that this is not supposed to be a long thing. So for specialist teachers, it's for a maximum of that period. Yeah. You know, it's it's not meant as you're never allowed to do this again. You have to give the students a chance to show that they have learned, that they can make that positive choice. So if they are... um, always spilling the paint, they're not being very careful with it, then maybe they're restricted to pencil crayons for that lesson only. And then the next lesson, do a check-in with that student. Do you think you're ready to start with the paint again? Are they ready? Yeah. And if they, and sometimes kids may say, oh, I'm not ready yet. And maybe that's... that's and that's cool. okay. Yep. Um, and then the third type of logical consequence is something called a positive timeout. The positive timeout is a non-punitive calm, consistent strategy where they literally, and I know it sounds like going to the corner from a kindergarten classroom perspective, but it is simply a way to help them take time away from activity to develop Mm self-control and to ensure that the the lesson runs smoothly. So this is something that you would interactive model at the beginning of the year? Oh, yes. Interactive, you you would ensure that you find a space in your room for, and you might call it a chill zone, you might call it a chill out spot. It is a place in a corner or a space in the room where there isn't anything to play with, 
That's key. Yep. There can't be a distraction. There has to be kind of a bland place for them to go just to take time out. Sometimes a child may need to take that time out on their own without without you saying, go take a time out. Mm-hmm. child needs to know they need to go calm down. But it needs to be something that is a positive thing that um, is in a specific set of places, might be one or two places, and that the children understand the purpose of it is to calm down, gain self-control, and return to the activity. Yeah. And the length of time that someone is in timeout may vary activity to activity. Sometimes maybe a quick one, quick breath, and you're back in. Sometimes if it's a serious uh, behavior, then it may be more a longer timeout may be needed. And you need to uh, model the calming strategies that they would use while they're there. So if they're doing a five-finger breathing yep. while they're there, if they're doing some other kind of exercise, you have to model that and teach that to them. If you just have them go and sit there, nothing's going to change. Right. It needs to make sure they understand why why they're going over there and who's going to decide when timeout is over as well. Yes. It can't be assumed that they decide. No. Nope. Maybe you should go take a timeout. I will let you know when it's when it's a good time to return to the group. Yes. You will and. Even use it for small things. But, so that way you nip it in the bud before it gets worse. Absolutely. And having it in an area of your room where that student can't be um, easily making eye contact with other students mm-hmm. is definitely important. I've got one who um, has oppositional defiant disorder. Mm. And definitely, you know, if he would be in that area, it'd be like, yeah, look at me, everybody. Yeah. So, and, and in that situation, you may need to find a place where they're not directly facing or can uh, kind of grab the power of the room. Yes. Um, in my classroom, if a child needs the timeout for on their own, we have four fingers up in the air. I have one for bathroom, two for getting a glass of, getting uh, filling up the water bottle, and then four fingers to make it clear that they need a timeout. Putting four fingers up in the air uh, while I'm working with other students, it's a quick and easy way where they just wait for a nod from me, and they can go to the timeout or chill zone, as I call it, and they can take that time as they need to. And if they do the four fingers, they know mm-hmm. that they decide on their time. Now, within reason, if they're there for too long and I know they're calm, I may kind of go, maybe you yeah. want to come on back. So the one of the mistakes that I made at the beginning of this year, I did make this beautiful quiet corner. Um, some of my TAs in the school like to come and use it just to chill out themselves while they're waiting for their class to finish off and take them back to their classroom. It's got pillows, it's got plants, it has a bookshelf. It's great, except when I had a couple of students who I noticed constantly wanted to have a little bit of chill out time and I would let them go in there because I was letting them be responsible learners. And then I discovered they were just going in there and reading the books. Yeah. So that's why it needs Oops. to be no dis- It happens. And yeah. there's no distractions is the key there. Uh, and also remember that it's not... Use it democratically. Um, make sure it's not just meant for two or three students. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's seen as their place rather than a place that anyone can go. But also remember, this is not a cure-all. No. Um, like, it may work for some, but this is just one of the strategies. And... We shouldn't expect it to fix every single form of challenging behavior. No. Um, Definitely. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about the break it, fix it, loss of privilege, positive timeout. Through all of this, there's one key thread, and that's language. Yeah. Positive. Non-judgmental. Non-judgmental. 
not naming the character of the child, but the action of the, the child. The actual action. Yeah. And those key things. So even if you can't make a quiet corner, like just using the correct tone of voice, just using that reinforcing language will help so much. Um, for the elementary teacher, there is kind of a progression of introducing logical consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one would be uh, have a safe, open discussion about positive consequences and following the rules. And then you might encourage open, relaxed conversations with the kids about the process for them for learning and following the rules. Then you ask them what the need is for logical consequences. You talk about the what it is and model some concrete examples of it. And then the last thing you teach is the Interactive time. Interactive model? Interactively modeling. Woo-hoo. And then the last, one you, the last one you teach is timeout procedures. And if you look at the first six weeks of school, that's not introduced for a long time. Yeah. And that, it takes a few weeks to bring out the timeout, uh, the timeout area. Because you want to ensure that what logical consequences are, name, the way we name them, the classroom rules, they're well established before this timeout chair is introduced. Because it can't just be seen as a place to fool around. Yeah. So, and that is the main thing with that. So, yeah. So there we go. There's how you deal with common misbehaviors that happen in the classroom. The minor stuff. Yes, how you redirect them. Uh, So, that's all for the day. Um, If you have any positive comments to make, uh, please... Or positively constructed ones. Yes. uh, Please uh, let us know. Uh, Tweet out. We are at Teaching Brood. Uh, Responsive Classroom is at Responsive Classroom. uh, And they like responding. Um, And responsiveclassroom.org is their site. And teachingbrood.com is ours. So if you had anything that you really liked in this episode, please make sure to share. Sharing is caring. All right, folks. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.